Hey, hey, everybody. This is James. Welcome to another episode of Rock in a Hard Place. doing john micah good man glad to be here once again and today we have a, a good friend of ours and another music artist who a uh, super talent you might say yes exactly <laughs> uh ladies and gentlemen please welcome the one and only derek minor what's happening what's happening <laughs> derek where are you today where are you recording from today cashville Tennessee, baby <laughs> To the layperson, Nashville, Tennessee, the land of of music studios, and uh, yeah, yeah, awesome man. And hot chicken, don't (laughs) leave hot hot chicken. chicken. Yeah, what's your favorite hot chicken place there? Oh, I gotta go with the OG. I'm gonna go with Princess. That's right, dude. Um, Burn your face off, though. Yeah, but you know the original shut down. Oh, Oh, did it? The one that was in East Nashville. And somebody drove a car through it. Oh, dang, man. (laughs) Oh wow! <laughs> wow, was it so a cool was just, car? They, <laughs> probably not. I mean, because they drove it through <laughs> a wall, so you know what I'm saying. So I, I mean, I don't know. You know, they 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 have the only one that's here is by my house now. Wow, um, in Antioch. Nice. So. Well, over it, in Antioch, that's cool. conveniently close to you, at least. They they knew you know you, they knew you'd keep them in business. Yeah, they was like, that's you right. know what, we could depend on that guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's For great. Sure. Well, um, we like to do a thing on here. We have a little bit of fun at the beginning of these episodes. So uh we're gonna play a little game of best and worst with you if that's all right. Um now I, I heard a rumor oh, that your that your boys are in Star Wars and uh we've we've kind of talked about Star Wars a couple times on this episode. So first question, yeah. best and worst Star right. Wars movie. Go. Oh man! Uh, best Star Wars movie. Best Star Wars movie. Probably Return of the Jedi. Nice. Mm, nice. Good be one. The one I, the one I like. And then, but you know what though? Yes, no, it's probably Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I think we'll go worst is probably probably gonna go Phantom Menace. Yeah, Phantom Menace. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of agree with like the original trilogy is best. Return yeah. of the Jedi, solid, solid choice. Okay. Yeah. This one is probably gonna uh cause some conflict in your heart as well. So mm. best and worst hip hop song or album. <laughs> Bruh. Yeah, come on. How Quick the answers, come hell on. Do you expect me <laughs> to do that? Like, bruh. Okay, just give us the worst. Uh, come on. <laughs> I, 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 it's hard for me to do that. That is really hard because the thing is, we talk about worst album. Like, man, you know what? Whatever Vanilla Ice's album was, <laughs> there we go. The, I knew we'd head that's there. Hilarious. I knew we'd head there. <laughs> we're gonna that's, say that's the worst. That's and, hilarious. Because because I I don't even know I don't even know if he had an album. Yeah. Like just being honest. So we're just gonna say that's the worst. Yeah. And uh, I don't know about best. Uh, Who's your favorite rapper then? That's hard because it, we go era by era by era and it changes. Uh, probably I would say Kendrick though. Okay. We'll say to okay. Butterfly. Yeah. It's either nice. gonna be Kendrick uh, or it's probably gonna be the late great Nipsey Hustle Victory Lab. Nice. Yeah, dude. Nipsey. Um, nice. Yeah. For great sure. album. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, best and worst city to play in. <laughs> we <laughs> throw, got another chuckle. Yeah, we're going to throw somebody on the bus here. We're going to get angry emails. <laughs> uh, best city to play in is going to be Nashville. I love playing at the crib. Really? I a lot. Yeah, I love playing at the crib, bro. Like, like my people show up. That's and it's, awesome. It's stupid. Yeah. Nice. Um, worst? Yeah. And I know that y'all live in Oregon, <laughs> but, bro, look. White people in Oregon just, <laughs> they don't got no rhythm, dog. Oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> bro, I, I, me and my homegirl laugh about this all the time. She's like she's like a fan, but now we, it, it's going on more. She's like a friend now. Like, she's a transcendent fan thing. And, and she laughs because every time I come to the Pacific Northwest, like, it's just like she knows I'm going to make fun of all the white people in the crowd. It's a good <laughs> Go fun, though. And, but here's the thing. I, this is the thing that I will say about Oregon and I would say just the Pacific Northwest. I love that the white people here don't take themselves too serious. They're yeah. just like, yeah, we're off beat, but <laughs> screw it, man. We're having fun. Like, it's like I, I so it's like worst if you like, man, I'm trying to get like great footage. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, yeah. and trying yeah, to yeah. make the show look crazy. Right. But best vibes and fun like you know what i'm saying like just the people are just so chill bro yeah. like i love that so but yeah it's definitely pacific north so is all that That's my favorite <laughs> thing about this though is that we did a show together in southern oregon uh -huh. it was with our uh -huh. it was an evangelistic outreach with our nonprofit profit mm -hmm. ministries and so mm -hmm. i'm picturing you at that show that we did together <laughs> where you're just like being like come on guys <laughs> why did they invite me to you? <laughs> oh, bro it's it that show was fun bro yeah. I, I mean it was fun but it was fun in different ways yeah, than totally. what everybody did <laughs> what's me, funny though bro. is like when i was in high school and even college i can't tell you how many guys played hip-hop in their car like all the time yeah. and you're like you but they can't figure it out when it comes to the show i don't know <laughs> i don't yeah. know what the deal is well, I, and that's the thing that I, I learned man like i had to learn that early on in my career well i learned it probably midway you know what i'm saying is just because people don't necessarily connect in the way that you think they should connect don't mean they're enjoying it you know they're not enjoying it yeah because right? i've i've got off stages and been like yo this i bombed this show totally like right. nobody's moving they're looking at you like what and then they're like, dude, man, yeah. like, bro, just, dude, you're like freaking awesome, man. I just had a great time. And I'm like, you did? Yeah. 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 I, uh, okay. Yeah. Especially I, true when you travel around the world a little bit and you see a few different cultures, like some cultures uh -huh. that are yep, way yep, more yep. reserved. And then you realize that they enjoyed it like a, a ton yeah. and they come up to you, like you said, afterwards. North like, that was Dakota. So special. Yeah, no North Dakota. There you go. <laughs> North yeah. Dakota. North Dakota. Every time we go right. there. Because <laughs> it's hard because black people are expressive over anything. Yeah. Like, have you ever watched, I think it was a TikTok or Instagram page, was like uh, black people reacting to magic tricks. And it's like, <laughs> when you watch, and it's just like, bro, the dude is like, literally, he's an awful magician. Like, you see the cards in his sleeve and stuff. And black people are like, oh. Oh, like we yeah. like like we very expressive people. So yeah, I like, love it. I had to remind, I had to find, you know, remind myself. Like everywhere you go is not gonna be as expressive. 
as right. as you are. Even black people in different areas of the country, like we're talking specifically southern black people are just like we yeah. hype. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some yeah. other places it may not be that way, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And I'm totally yeah. I'm totally that guy on the other side of the fence. I'm like, cool trick, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was that was cool, <laughs> and you like really enjoyed it. Yeah. But it's like you yeah. just like cool trick, yeah. bro. You, you did your thing, yeah. yeah. Good job. <laughs> All right, best and worst fast food. Man, we just talked about this on a relevant podcast, bro. Were you um, best? Yeah, best fast food. Nah, we talked about worst. Okay. Best fast food is uh, definitely. Dang, you know what? Best fast food is Culver's. That's what Culver's. Wow. Okay. Yes, wow. I love Culver's, man. Like I, I'm a huge Culver's fan. Um, Maybe that's worst. why the Pacific Northwest is not very like cool because we don't have Culver's up here. Yeah, I mess with Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A is a good too. You know, they they too. Okay. I like the customer service, yeah. but you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah. And but worst is we going Taco Bell, bro. <laughs> Oh, we're going to Taco Bell. Bro. I love it's Taco Bell. I love it. Do you? Oh, it's so. That's cra- bro, that's crazy. Cra- maybe I just had an awful experience because I hadn't no. been in years. Here's and then the when thing. I went, I went like last week and I was like, dog, like my friend told me to go. Yeah. My homie on the relevant podcast, Jesse, was like, you have to go. They have this taco called the Dorito Locos Taco. Yeah. Try it out. And yeah. I'm like, all right, bet. I'm going to try it. And I was just like, no. Bro, my abuela would be very upset. That my I abuela. This. I think we can all agree that Taco Bell usually has the worst outcome for sure. Yeah, for that's sure. true. Absolutely. That's true. Okay, back in it. Here we go. Uh, best and worst condiment. <laughs> Derek, I've seen you with some hot sauce on your on your Instagram. And yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's, it's clearly hot sauce. Like, but but hot, you can't just say hot sauce like. I know right. you gotta What's have your favorite like hot sauce. You a specific. Pick. Oh, Frank's. Okay, there Frank's. we go. Frank's. Ah, uh, see, but it's Frank's for most everything, but right. for breakfast, it's Cholula. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Cholula for breakfast. Anything yeah. breakfast related, I'm putting Cholula. Yeah, on. hot but sauce Frank's is, is so nuanced. You gotta have different applications for different hot mm-hmm. sauce. Like pizza, you gotta go with sriracha. For sure. Well, you know, oh, I agree. Cholula a is a hey, great breakfast one. Sriracha on pizza? Oh, yeah, man. Every <laughs> single bite. Nom, 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 nom. I got to try that out. Yeah, yeah that's do. that's a new one. That's a that's a, that's a a new one. I didn't know that that yeah. was a thing. The things My you dad learned. showed me that when podcast. I was a kid, man. I have never been able to <laughs> kick that habit. It's so good. Okay. okay. Yeah. If it's... Worst... Is... Worst condiment. Um, mayonnaise for sure. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mayonnaise. Now now I like Miracle Whip. No way. But I don't like wow. I don't like mayo. Like Hellman's? Nah, I'm good. You can <laughs> no take way. Hellman's and throw it in the trash. Miracle Whip? <laughs> I'm with it. I don't but I don't know. So that's what I'm saying, because Miracle Whip isn't technically mayonnaise, right? It's like right. a, a salad dressing. Yeah. That's what they call it, right? I right, guess. So I could I do salad dressing. I don't necessarily do the. I I don't know what they call it. Wow, yeah. yeah. I I've got like an avocado mayonnaise in my fridge. It's real good. I love it. <laughs> you shake like his head like avocado oil. You're crazy. Nah, nah, bro. That that just doesn't even sound right. Is it green? <laughs> no, uh, no. It's kind of no, no, it's, no. It's, it's made with white. avocado oil. Yeah, yeah. It's made with okay, avocado oil. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. But it's you know it's okay. a little healthier. It's not quite so just chemicals. <laughs> 
Right, like right. Miracle oh, yeah. Whip. <laughs> Miracle Whip is nothing but chemicals. Yeah. I don't even think they put anything that comes from anything natural in there. It's just made in a lab. It's grown in a Petri dish. Yeah. It's, but, you know, yeah. it's the only thing I'll eat. All right. This is going to be equally polarizing. Best and worst football team. You're talking about, like, best fans or best, like, because if we're talking about, like, Worst football team is clearly the Browns. Like, <laughs> clearly, there's not, there's just never any good. It's like they nope. never produced anything of value. <laughs> oh, poor oh, Cleveland, poor, poor Browns fans. The fact if you're, you're still a Browns fan though, good for you. Way to hang tough. For sure. Definitely. Yeah, we Props. salute you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if we talking about best, I gotta go Titans. Tighten up, what? Home I'm team, yeah, for you, up. yeah. Tighten up, man. I noticed your boys play football, or at least Zane does, right? Yeah, both of them play. Both yeah. of them do. Yeah. Awesome. Do you ever get in uh, coaching? Oh no, 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 I, no. Honestly, bro, I I only got into football because they wanted to play it. Um, cool. Growing up, growing up, I didn't get to watch football on Sundays because we were always at church right. from sun up to sundown. Yeah. So. I, I I never became a football fan, unfortunately. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a guess for Do you have a guess for what our favorite football team is? I mean, what is that on? I see a hat. I'm trying to see what that is on there. Is that another? Uh, yeah, this. No, is, that's not. That's yeah, not football not at football. all. All right, if I had to guess, Pacific Northwest. What about Seahawks? Yeah. Right. Seahawks. We it is. The Seahawks, right? Good call. Really? Yep. Sure Go is. Hawks. Go Hawks. Yeah. So, so, what happened to Russ? <laughs> like, <laughs> we shipped him off, dressed him up in orange, and he can't throw anymore. Yeah. He he, he cashed in and retired. I think. Bruh. <laughs> yeah. I I think it'll come oh, around. I think it'll come around. Yeah. I think. You know, I mean, they had a coaching debacle there. They had a bunch of injuries. They had a whole new yeah, play true. system. I think it was just a disaster on all fronts. So I think they'll figure it out. He's a good player. He's obviously done great at Seattle, and yeah. I'm sure they'll mm-hmm. figure it out. But it just wasn't the, like, storybook ending that Denver was hoping for, um, which is but funny. because it, it was not a storybook ending. It was a, a, a nightmare. Yeah. It's a Stephen King novel. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it took a dark turn. Yeah, yeah. So it, we'll see. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I actually, the Broncos are actually my second favorite team, and uh, oh, kind of, but you know, because they're different, different conference. So NFC, AFC, I'm for usually sure. able to root for both of them, and it's okay, except for the Super Bowl a few years ago, <laughs> where I was like, yeah, my right, two favorite teams right. are in the Super Bowl, but I lean Seahawks. So Seahawks won. It was great. Sure. It was fun. But um, cool. Well, man, thanks for joining us. Um. For anyone who is listening that maybe isn't super familiar with Derek's music, you put out your first record in 2008, right? Is that that was your first one? Yeah. Okay. Right. First official one around that time. Yeah. And doing hip hop music, you're part of the 116 crew with Lecrae and all those guys back then. And um, yeah, yeah. do you want to talk about that at all? A little bit about kind of that starting in music and and getting going with your music career and how that happened. Yeah, I mean. It was really crazy. I I was I was already building my thing. I was, you know, like I honestly was selling CDs in downtown Nashville to drunk people. That's how I paid my rent for like a couple years. Wow. Like nice. people go to the bars and I'd rap and do all that stuff and then I took it to another level, started putting out content online. Uh before content was the thing that you had to do, you know. Yeah. That was the thing that I was like, well, hey, I'm, I'm going to do that. So it started, 
that was during the blog era and it started blowing up and uh, my wife got accepted into pharmacy school in Memphis and, and uh, we didn't know anybody in Memphis at the time and uh, this girl named Keandra she said hey you should uh, she said hey you should meet up with my, my brother down there he's in Memphis I was like alright cool we'll meet up with him he's a rapper and it wound up being Lecrae um, oh, wow so and from there that's just kind of how everything took off so it was really natural and organic and we, we uh, went on tour I was everybody responded well while I was on tour and and uh the rest is history. were you really passionate about producing even back then like producing your own beats and then when you met up with Lecrae and some of the other guys like producing for them too oh yeah I've I've always produced my own stuff like that's awesome that's kind of my superpower is, you know, that's where every album starts. It starts in my head and in the keys. And yeah. then that's where the concepts begin to grow from there. So Awesome. Yeah. So you just said something that I totally identify with. Do you feel like when a musical concept starts, like it starts literally in your head? Because when I'm writing a new song, like I pretty much write the song in my head before I ever start to record it. I hear almost almost like the finished version of it before oh, yeah. I ever press record. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It, I almost feel like I I don't I, I, I and I know this probably going to sound like weird, but I feel I don't even feel like I'm writing music. I feel like I'm pulling it down. Mm-hmm. If that I don't know if you've ever heard that felt that way like but it's like mm-hmm. I don't even feel like I'm writing something. I feel like like when music is coming and it's flowing and it's naturally, I feel like it's just pouring out of me. It's it's Yeah. I guess it would be the equivalent of like, you know, Michael Jordan in the fourth quarter. Not comparing myself to Jordan in any way, but you sure. can tell when an athlete is thinking or and when they're just reacting right. to what's there. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like music for me is mostly reaction. It's like I feel it. I feel it. I see it in parts. And then as I start playing keys or chopping up a sample, mm-hmm. writing a lyric, then it becomes more and more clear. You know, it's like wiping the fog off of a window. Nice. Did you grow yeah. up with music being a big part of your life? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom used to sing in a choir every Sunday. My dad was a, a jazz fusion guitarist. Oh, wow. Um, so he raised me with a lot of different different genres. Like he would listen to because fusion is all about fusing things together with right. jazz, right? So right. I consider myself a hip-hop fusion artist, like, I'm always pulling from different genres and fusing them with hip hop and seeing what comes out of it. So that's kind of, that's kind of my thing. That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When did you start playing music growing up? Uh, and you've referenced keys a couple of times. Is keys like your primary instrument that you start with? Yeah, but I, I say that lightly. Like I'm okay. not, if you ask me to come play at church, you will be sorely disappointed. <laughs> like, for real. Don't ask me to do that. But if you put me in a studio and you want a melody, I can get you one. It'll take 14,000 different passes, but I'll get it for you. You know what I mean? And I'll probably have to punch one chord in or draw it in on Ableton, but it's coming. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? But um, I started making music when I was 12. Okay, cool. 10 or, 10 or 12, yeah, around that time. That's when I started. It was this guy. My dad had a, a keyboard called an ASR-10. And during the time, that was a revolutionary keyboard because you could actually, you would make samples 
with uh I'm about to date myself really bad, but you would use floppy disks and samples were on floppy disks. Right. That's what Kanye started yeah. uh, chopping samples with, right? So yeah. um I had this cat uh had this cat come down and my dad was like, All right, I'm gonna record you on my new keyboard and we would sit down there, they were smoking weed, they was high <laughs> as a giraffe's turtleneck and uh <laughs> and this guy was uh he was awful. He was a terrible rapper. His name I think his name was Devilish D. That was his name. Okay. And one day I, I just got bored while they were sitting down there and my dad played a beat and I just started freestyling over it. And it probably was the worst thing ever known to man, but my dad, it was mine. So he stopped working with the other guy and he started working with me. And that's what we would do in the summers. I would go back. I would go in the summer because him and my mom went together. So in the summers right. I would go up there and yeah. uh, that, that was a way that we bonded. Yeah. And it Me too. Into, into I, I used to go visit my dad once a year, usually in the summertime. He lived in Nashville my whole life. And so uh, my dad wasn't a musician. He was a very creative and very skilled chef. But his brother, Mike, was a really awesome drummer and in bands. And my dad was super into music. So my dad was like the first person to show me Nirvana, the first person to show me Ooh. Rage Against the Machine and Tool mm -hmm. and, you know, like we were always discovering music together. I, I had a similar experience like that. That's lit. That's cool. That's lit. Who makes that ASR 10 keyboard? In Sonic. In Sonic. Is that what yeah. RZA started making beats with too from Wu-Tang Clan? Yeah. Uh, Timbaland. Uh, yeah. A lot. Him too. So you got two tribes of people. You got obviously the MPC, actually three. It's right, but MPC. that's like a newer model thing, isn't it? Not NPC, not NPC. Go back, go back a long way. Like it's, I mean, it's nineties. Okay. Uh, and then there's the SP SP twelve hundred mm -hmm. tribe, and then it's the ASR ten tribe. Mm -hmm. I honestly think, honestly, I think in Sonic, yeah, and Sonic may have been after the NPC. I I don't know, man. It's it's they are old. <laughs> they're all they're all old. Uh -oh. but yeah it's like three tribes sp 1200 um i think that's rolling and then uh akai mpc and then the sonic asr 10 so well that's um, got to be another interesting uh point of view for you um having started producing music at such a young age and now watching as everything has changed and you know a few minutes ago you referenced Ableton and other programs like that but like in Ableton you have the ability to like literally draw in a chord if you can't find the right mm -hmm. chord voicing with your fingers in the keyboard you can literally like build the chord or build the drum beat and move a kick pattern around and all that I mean you've got to have some pretty interesting perspective from watching that stuff change over the years we were talking about on our first uh, episode how back when we started our first album came out in 2002 and like iTunes hadn't really been invented yet. And, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like people mm -hmm. were just starting to switch from tape to recording on Pro Tools. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've seen mm -hmm. a lot of stuff change. A that. Yeah. 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 I love it. I, I think that, that to me, this is a hip hop artist dream. I don't know about everybody else, but I know for myself, advances. I mean, yeah, there's like, there's like websites like Tracklib. Mm -hmm. where people literally post their songs on there and getting the sample cleared is as simple as just pressing a button 
like it's paying paying 50 bucks 60 bucks 150 bucks samples cleared and splits are already done and you don't have to worry about that you know what i'm saying so think about when i first came up like if i sampled something i mean you it may or may not get cleared they may not even know who the publishers are and and, and who owns the masters so uh it's to me it's a dream i i, I love this era and then the fact that you know, the advances with software is like Ableton and FL. Um, I enjoy making music more than I've ever enjoyed right now. Mm. So that's cool. Yeah, it's kinda I don't know. Our our genre of music is a little different in that like we never sample stuff, hardly ever. <laughs> I mean, we'll sample like a sound, like uh James, you what was that? The NASA sound or whatever that we put on the front of End of the World to like create sure, kind yeah, of this yeah, crazy the, thing but the electromagnetic tone of earth from outer yeah. space super dork oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but wow. but like we hardly ever like pull a musical sample in from somewhere it's just we just like play something i, I have been doing a lot lately on our new stuff though is like ma- like physically making a sound with my voice instead mm-hmm. and like stacking mm-hmm. that as a note or something like in the middle of a transition, even something like, you know, like that and like making a, like a triad chord out of that as a transition mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. or like doing a voiceover with my own voice and then dropping that with like a sub octave or stuff like that. Yeah. We've now lost like 30% of our listening audience. They're like, okay. <laughs> you guys are technical, they're like, yeah, what, what, is, what is a sub octave again? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as we geek out on, geek out on music here. <laughs> But, um, Definitely. So, Derek, kind of turn the corner a little bit. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about just your upbringing, your childhood, your your parents, your relationship with them, um, stepdad? You know, some of those things. And um, I mean, you also mentioned too, growing up, you you weren't a football fan because you were at church all day, every Sunday, all the time. Yeah. Like, maybe talk about that journey a little bit, and you know how it kind of molded into your adult story, your artist story you know some of those things yeah so this is part of the reason why like i kind of consider myself especially within like christian rap if that's a you know whatever you want to categorize that i kind of consider myself like the batman of that because like you know you have all of these guys that are kind of like superman that everyone's trying to be superman they're trying to be the man and you know, the chest is out and they got the cross mm-hmm. on their chest with circled in. But Batman's you know, a little bit cooler. No, I'm kidding. Batman <laughs> is, yeah, ba- Batman is like, Batman is like, oh, there's a criminal over there. We only got, you know, yeah, we got 10, we got 10 minutes to get the truth out of him. So he just beats the crap out of dude until he gets the truth out of him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of really been my thing. But it, a lot of that is because of my upbringing. Like, I didn't really grow up like a, I grew up in church, but like we we weren't like I didn't know like youth group things were a thing. Like we went to church for survival, like because uh, my mom, you know, she was in the streets. If you know anything about Pontiac, Michigan, it's a suburb of Detroit, but it's like crazy. Like it's it's gangster, mm. and that's where that's where we're from. So my mom was like, you know, she literally prayed to God, like please get us out of this era, like this area. So we moved to the south. We moved to a spot called Columbia, Tennessee. Well. Columbia, Tennessee, we used to call that crack country Tennessee because the crack <laughs> epidemic, and it was in the country, and it was literally running rampant. So 
I mean, wow. you had even in a small town like Columbia, Tennessee, in certain areas on the other side of the tracks. Like, I mean, one of my homeboys, Lil Jeremy, got shot forty times with a with an AK forty seven. Wow. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it's like How old were you growing when that up? Ah, man, I was in college. I I was actually in college and I was he was like Lil Jeremy was probably like 14, 15. He was still in high school. Mm, he was over on the east side. We used to call him Lil Jeremy from the East Side. Because he Jer- would rap and that was his little thing, Lil Jeremy from the East Side. And he got shot forty like forty times right in front of his granny house with an AK forty seven, and his little brother went to jail for armed robbery. He uh, robbed a lady and shot her. Uh, so it's like even in Colombia, that was it was like that in the in the in the you know what I'm saying the two thousands and in the nineties or whatever. So man, um, that's what it was like. So uh, my mom. Love the Lord, and she went to church because I think just because of all the trauma, that was her way of dealing with the trauma. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. she grew up in Pontiac. Pontiac was was gangster growing up, and then um, you know we come to Columbia, and then having to deal with a lot of the racial, like adjusting to the race thing, like that mm-hmm. was something that was crazy. Because when I lived in in Pontiac, it was mostly just family. You know, it'd be be really rare to see a white person to be honest hmm. Hmm. coming down here it's like it's all white people everywhere and now they're like hey we don't like you mm-hmm. uh we don't like you here why you don't like me because you're black uh what you know what i mean yeah, yeah. so that was a, <laughs> that was a, an, an adjustment um so racism my, growing my, up for you wasn't like in the early days in michigan wasn't that prominent it wasn't until after you moved to tennessee that you were like what is this yeah, like, well, the thing is, I, I was a kid when I moved here. So yeah. when I moved to Tennessee, but I would spend my summers in Michigan. So it was like this crazy, like, okay, now we're we're in school and I'm fighting this guy because he called me, a, you know, he called me the N-word. And then I'm going to Michigan in the summers to spend with my dad. And we're hearing guns go off all night. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So it's like, what the heck is going on, right? So it's like crazy stuff. Like like that, um, and then my dad was my dad and my stepdad was both addicted. Like the crack epidemic wrecked my family. Mm. Like it, mm. uh, my dad, stepdad, they both were addicted to that. So that also came with a level of baggage. So right. like church was always for me a place to escape that for just an hour and a half, two hours, three hours, whatever. You know what I'm saying? We yeah. went there to escape that reality. Um, cause that that was you know, gonna look at us when we left. It was it was home. Like I'm so close to even I don't even go to that church anymore, but all of us are like brothers and sisters because we all were kinda like I mean that's where we all escaped to. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. was so, there a yeah. lot of shared trauma within those friendships and relationships? For sure. I mean we had drug dealers in the church. We had drug users in the church. We had um a lot of people with no no parents, you know, no dad. You know what I mean? That was a, a pretty common thing for us. So, but what's crazy is, and I think that I think that has more to do with just being impoverished and black, you know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and the culture that comes along with that, right? Um, and, you know, obviously, I mean, if you, if you listen to my music, I talk more about that and, and how I believe those things come to be. I don't think those are, I don't think black people are just like, hey, we hate, we hate our family, so we're going to do those things. A lot of that's just trauma and uh, privatized prison systems and 
Jim Crow and all those different things. Whatever. We'll keep going. But anyway, um, so for me, I put all of that in my music. But the crazy part about it with Christian rap is Christian rap, when I was coming up, was mostly for white youth group kids. Mm-hmm. Right. So you got like Lecrae and them talking about like, and Jesus loves us, and Jesus, hey, Jesus loves us, yeah, hallelujah. He And they got songs with like Chris Tomlin and stuff, and I'm in right. here talking about my dad was smoking crack. <laughs> I saw little Jeremy get shot on the street, and, and the white kids are like, he's scary, mommy. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, that's why I sound like the Batman of this. <laughs> I was one of the, I, I feel like I was one of the yeah. guys that really, that was really kind of pushing that, but you know, and in, in, in hindsight, it was a it's it's been a beautiful journey in that sense because God has allowed me to impact people in a way that um the typical uh music hasn't been able to impact people at times, you know. So Right. Yeah. yeah. Did you feel like for a long time you were fighting against this these like expectations that you had to sound different and like don't sing about that, don't talk about oh, yeah. that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All, all the time. It's all the time, you know, because a lot, I, I feel like people understand, here's two things. I will also put some of the onus on myself because it takes a lot of wisdom and skill to be able to craft a message that is universally accepted. Yeah. That's um, true. And that is not something that I developed early on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just so straightforward and blunt, and I'm like a freaking machete. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like that's how I treated my music. Um, yeah. Now I try to think, how can I shape that message to where even if I'm telling a story that's very specific to me or to a certain group, that everybody is able to be a listener into that story. Um, so, I, like I said, I had to take some of the onus early on with that. I, I didn't really care about bringing everybody. I just wanted to talk about talk to the people from where I'm from. Uh, so the problem is if the the business or your job is not from where you're from, then now we have a rub here, right? Um, so that was that. But then on the other side, I feel like up until I think, I think with in my generation, up until the Trump pandemic, era like people's perspective on christianity was totally different it's totally shifted now and i think that the reason why is just because a lot of the a lot of stuff has been exposed and people are right now i feel like they're ready for something real you know i feel like they want something real they want something honest they want healing they don't want you to lie to them they don't they don't want you to talk about they don't want you to avoid the truth they want you they're like yo nah make me uncomfortable because well, yeah. actually, I'm uncomfortable right now. Tell me how to not be uncomfortable, right? Yeah. As opposed to we go through a global pandemic. Before that, everybody's like, yeah, everything is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Like, it's like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a pandemic comes in. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe we are fragile and maybe everybody's broken. And, oh, I didn't know my grandmother thought like that. I didn't know my dad thought like that. Oh, I didn't know that this was going on. I didn't know that police were doing this. I didn't right. like, so now there's so many people we've been exposed. Our worlds have all collided. So now all of us are just trying to figure out how to pick up the pieces and mm. move forward. I feel. And that's why 
I, 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 I was silent for a while, but that's why I got a new album coming out called Nobody's Perfect. Because that's really the whole concept behind it. It's just, you know, like, hey, look, guys, we're all broken now. You see that, right? Like, you know, right. the, the, the white evangelical is just as broken as the hood dude that's in the street. Like, none of us have it all figured out. That's Some right. of us look better while we while we don't have it figured out, but we're right. all still just broken people trying to figure it out. Yeah. And those are truths and concepts that we're trying to explore in our new phase of creating new music again, too, actually. We, we've been talking about this lately and, and on the podcast and in private conversations together. John Micah shared with me a couple of weeks ago. He was like, you know, I realized that maybe my, my biggest strength now is actually being open and being vulnerable and being honest for people to show them that they don't, they don't have to keep pretending they're strong either you know yeah yeah and that was 100 percent. i mean the last episode you know i shared my story and that was i shared stuff on there that i've never shared publicly before ever and i think you know a lot of times we we try and and it's this so bad on sunday mornings i feel like it at, at church everyone puts like this front up of like I got the perfect family. I'm super spiritual. I got my Bible tucked under my arm and everything's great. And like you said, like <laughs> everything is awesome. Right. And you, mm-hmm. you roll in, you high five, you, you hear teaching and then you go home and go back to your life. And I, I do mm-hmm. feel like one of the things that happened during the pandemic that was interesting is that I feel like most of Sunday mornings are a monologue. We go in, mm-hmm. we hear from a preacher, right? And mm-hmm. something that happened during the, the pandemic was we couldn't go to Sunday morning. And so there was this kind mm-hmm. of like, if you saw anybody, it was at your house. It was kind of more intimate and it created some dialogue and some conversations. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we found kind of like, wow, there there's these people that I've actually been around for years that my, I don't even have much of a relationship with them or I don't know that mm-hmm. much about them because we haven't actually like, talked and like actually gone through, man, I'm dealing with this in life. I'm dealing with that in life. And I think there was some things that happened there where because of our rhythm of just going to church on Sunday and then going home got disrupted. Um, I I think a lot of people too were like, well, why, why am I going to church? I know a lot of people haven't come back to church still. Um, And, you know, because they're thinking those things of like, what, what is the purpose of me going like what yeah if it's just for me to kind of strut my spirituality or you know show -hmm. everybody what a perfect family i have or how you know religious i am or spiritual i am and so i do think there was a bit of a shift there that was interesting but i think simultaneously i think we're also hitting a, a crux so to speak in just i think people are there's a lot of people that have been hurt by the church that are fed up with mm-hmm. kind of the way things have been going. And I just think mm-hmm. there's that group has gotten larger and larger and larger over the years. And those conversations mm-hmm. now are starting to come to light. And I know you've been kind of speaking out to that a little bit as well. Um, do you want to expound at all about that? I know you kind of, it's been gosh, four or five years since you've released a record, you kind of stepped away a little bit. I know you've been talking a yeah. bit about church hurt and challenges. And so coming from, Gosh, when you're a kid, if church was the safe place, like to get away from all the trauma, and now who you are as an adult going, man, actually, and I don't know how I feel about all this. Can can you just yeah. expound on that a little bit, where you're at today and kind of that struggle and, and faith and all of that? Yeah, so 
in 2018, I put my last uh, Derek Minor album out, my da- last solo album. Everything since then has been like sync music. So if people want to know what sync music is, it's like the music that goes behind television commercials or 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 TV shows. So ESPN has been a great partner. If you've watched football or anything, you've probably heard my records on there. I right. think I got a Hulu commercial. Like um, anyway, uh, so I w- I. After 2018, I was like, I'm done with being an artist. Because mm-hmm. you guys know, being an artist is not just making songs. It's it's being an inspiration to people. Mm-hmm. It's meeting them where they're at. It's um, it's being a leader mm-hmm. to a degree, right? People want to follow you. You know, I mean, te- like literally. Um, did you feel? I just did. Did you feel a ton of pressure with that too? That people want to yeah. follow you. You're a leader, so there's this expectation of you have to be a certain way. Yeah, so the expectation was, hey, Derek, yeah, I can be depressed, but I come to you to tell me how to not be depressed. Yeah. So you can't come on here and wild out and cuss people out and and and, and be, you know, frustrated because I'm coming to you to learn how to not do that, right? I I used to look at that as like people were saying you know they were being judgmental oh they just they want to dehumanize me they don't believe i can feel too and da, 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 da. And, and some of that was that right some of that is that like the people that are jerks that are just like that but some of them were like nah man your light was burning bright and the heart of that i think for a lot of people was like i need you in this moment to be something which is very unhealthy totally you need you need jesus you don't need Amen. me you need jesus mm-hmm. You need God. You don't need me, right? So, but that comes with the territory, especially in a Christian art, right? Right. Um, so I was exhausted with that, and I knew I couldn't hold it. So I just decided to to say, hey, I guess this is where I get off. Plus, a lot of church hurt because a lot of the people, specifically my biggest church hurt, wasn't necessarily where I came from. Like I said, I'm still close to the people in that church. That's literally like my family, like no different from my family, like as if we all had the same mother and father. Um, but what church hurt that I got was from Christian culture, commercial Christian culture, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is a bunch of people that don't know me that say they pro- profess Christ. And then when I say, hey, guys, you shouldn't shoot black people in the back while they're running from the police. And they're like, how dare you say that? Those yeah. stupid thugs deserved it. You know what I mean? And hmm. all those different things. And then preachers that, you know, you look up to that are supposed to be these theology wizards that, but they can't figure out how it's wrong for police to shoot people in the back. And not only that, but now me saying that that's wrong. Now, somehow I'm the villain of the story. Like how in the world is that? Right. And then mm-hmm. the trauma of re- growing up in the rural South, with all of that, like it all just kind of was like, shh. it was like a, it was like a, a, a tornado and it just mm. swept me up. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I'm a worker. I'm the type of person that I would say, screw it and just keep going. And I tell everybody now there's only so many, you only have so many efforts in life Yeah. until your life is like, no, 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 no. You're going to have to deal with this. And for me, 2018 was that year. Yeah, That it's like, no, there's no more like, 
There's no more like, screw it, I'm going to power through it, screw it, it doesn't matter, I'm going to put my emotions to the side. My emotions said, no, you're going to sit down and you're going to feel feel me. And that's what happened in 2018 till now. Yeah. that I've been yeah. on a journey for that long. Uh, I mean, I guess that's pretty good, you know. What what was that <laughs> yeah. five years? Cause, what right? was that catalyst for you though? Where your body just you're like, I'm done. I can't keep doing this. Was, was there something specific that that? It was it for me. It was Mike Brown. Mike the Mike Brown and the fallout after that, and then just the parade of black bodies, and then the 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 atmosphere. Not to blame this on Trump. I I'm, I don't care anything about politics. I'm not going to argue with nobody about politics, but just the atmosphere during that time was so rough yeah. for myself that it was just like, I'm out. I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't do it anymore. Like mm-hmm. every day I wake up, I see black bodies on the news for yeah. whatever reasons. It doesn't matter if they were political or it was honest. I still saw black body, dead black bodies every day yeah. on my timeline on Twitter and all of that. I couldn't deal with it anymore. And coming from and your background, me, you're like, it's so real. It's, it's real. Yeah. It's like I'm watching my cousins die. Yeah. yeah. Like, and then realizing when I speak about it that the people that are supposed to be my fans or friends or church community, they are actually in opposition against me. Not even silent. I'd have been okay with we're silent. Like, hey, we don't want to talk about this. This makes us uncomfortable. But now you're in opposition to me. Like, so mm-hmm. now I'm like, wow, how in the world is that and then just dealing with my personal traumas i was like it's too much i literally around 2019 i started doing music and i took up trading stocks and in my mind trading stocks was going to be what was going to take care of my finances from here on out i still trade them to this day i traded this morning but um that was the uh that was what it was so i kind of i i did like i think it was elisha who went in the cave and was Mm -hmm. like nah I'm chilling. Yeah. <laughs> I am yeah. chilling. So what shifted that for me or what began the shift, honestly, around that time, um, a good friend named Speck, I was on tour and he called me, he said, man, I want you to go to Israel with me. And I went to Israel. What year was this? This was around, it was around when I quit, like 2018. Okay. And it was around like 2018-ish, 29. I think it might have been 2019, honestly. Okay. Or maybe 2018. So I went there. And it blew my mind for this mm-hmm. one reason. I recognized that the church was not just the American church. It Amen. was global and it was ancient. Amen. And that is what that honestly, that's what kept me in the faith. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because I was ready to punt it. I was ready to just <laughs> kick everything to the curb and jump out the window, throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I think that was God's way of allowing me to say, okay, so no, 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 it's not, it's not the church. It's not me. It, it, it's that you have to work on you. Like, that's what it was. So, um, so I spent time, I was like, okay, I need to know about this ancient religion. So for the past five years, I've only really read the old Testament Hmm. and I've only studied the old Testament to be like, I want to know what, it looks like from there to now, right? I just now started getting back into the New Testament um, last year. Um, so that was a part of the healing. And then another part of the healing, which is God is so cool in this way. The thing that I said I was going to do 
besides music was what actually helped me um, process my trauma, which was trading stocks. Mm. For people who don't know much about trading stocks, um, most of the people that lose money in, in stock trading, it's not because the stock market did something and tricked them. It's because of their own greed. Mm. It's because of their own mental. It's because they don't have a plan. They don't have a strategy. So I was like wondering, like, why am I losing? Why am I losing? And my friend gave me some courses on mindset. How do you think about things? Mm. What's your relationship with money? What's your relationship with yourself? Mm. And I had to a- answer some hard questions about pride and humility and, yeah. and, and expectations and all those different things. And then also I, I went to a therapist uh, for, nice. for, I had a couple sessions with a therapist. Um, we had some crazy stuff happen and, and my kids started going to therapy and I realized that I was, there are villains. There are, they're like, okay, if we're talking Batman, like, right. You got like, you got the Joker, you got the Riddler, you got the penguin, you got Two-Face, and then as you go down, you got like Zaz and some of the street villains that he, Batman's always whipping up. And yeah. it's like, yeah, there may be other villains in my story, like these street guys. I would say the street guys would be like the guys on Twitter that were saying things. And then you got the penguin and all of that. That's that's other right. things that may have been a little closer. But who's the Joker of my story? It's me. Mm. I'm Batman and I'm the Joker mm. at the same time. Interesting. And it's it's on me to to wrestle with the biggest villain and to and to conquer that. So like for me, as I've been going through that process of wrestling with myself, how do I think about myself? How mm-hmm. do I how do I like what's my why does the opinion of others affect me so much? It's because I actually don't think as high of myself as I should. I let mm-hmm. those people determine who I am, right? So now I had to become comfortable in in humility and saying, you know what? Nobody's perfect. They're not perfect. I'm not perfect. So what I need to do is I need to just recognize that. And then we're just going to rest and take every day one step at a time. And that's what I've been doing, man. And then I started making more music. And then I was like, okay, this music has some healing power. Maybe I might need to give it another run. And that's why that's where we're at, where we're at right now. That's awesome. That's great. John, Micah, and I are both big advocates for going to therapy and realizing, you know, ways of thinking that no longer serve you anymore. I I think, you know, in my story, um, I grew up being abused for many years of my early childhood by a stepfather. Mm. And, um, you know, I had to learn certain coping strategies to try and uh, survive through that. But then now I'm in a healthy, happy, safe relationship. I have my own family. I have the opportunity to let go of those ways of thinking that no longer serve Mm -hmm. me. And like the thinking, you know, thinking really low of myself or like my Mm -hmm. biggest fear of like being a failure and manifesting that because of the negativity, you know, uh, I think that we've we went through a similar kind of healing experience over the last five six years as a band. We took a, a hiatus, which at the at the beginning of it seemed sort of forced, just due to circumstances. Right, and we right. were dealing with those, 
you know, back to the Batman analogy, if, if Penguin is like the kingpin of like business and, and trying to take advantage of you and stuff, we felt like we were getting hurt by the business side of this over and over again. And people Mm -hmm. were stealing from us and, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to ruin us and stuff. And, and we felt a lot of those same, like the criticism coming from within the church, when we would try to talk about things that were really important to us, like healing from trauma or dealing with big esoteric theological questions. Like mm-hmm. uh, we, we wrote this song called Even If, Even If the Healing Doesn't Come is basically the, the premise of that song. Like, mm-hmm. what do we do? Like, yes, we pray for God to heal this beloved, you know, our spouse or our mom or our best friend, heal them from cancer, heal them from this disease that's taking their life. But what do we do? when that's not part of God's will for that particular story, for mm. that particular person, Ooh, is he still deep. good? Is he still holy? And we felt like we got a bunch of backlash from people, from churches, from radio about that kind of stuff and trying to share our heart about abuse and trauma and depression and um, OCD and stuff like that within our songs over the years. You know, we really had to kind of take that um cave approach that same (laughs) that same reference you said like we hid in a cave for the last five or six years kind of licking our wounds and complaining about how dark it was in the cave but something i noticed about your story is that you got to a turning point recently at least where where and i think you even said something like this on instagram recently but you're like man i quit but nobody cared and i realized that i quit on myself basically I quit on betting on myself and believing mm-hmm. that I had uh, a purpose. Um, yep. So I wonder about like how that transition started back and start that fire started to come back for you. Man, you know the fire. The fire came back in this way, and I think the the, the turning point for me was sitting here at my desk with phenomenal music that I was making. And realizing that the only reason why this music is not out is because of fear. Yeah. And realizing that fear is not from God. Because right. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. That's right. And f- what fear doesn't produce is any of those qualities. So right. I had to look in the mirror and say, well, how long will you be captive to fear? Because that's what makes us quit is fear. It's fear of failure, fear of success. Yep. It's fear of fear of what others will say. Um, and I, I had to really be real with myself and say, well, how long do you want to sit in a cave? Do you want to be afraid forever? You know, that's, that's a right. real, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, no, nah, I'm not going to be afraid forever. I'm going to put myself out here. And I'm going to do the the work that God has has called me to do, which I believe the work that God has called me to do is to just help heal people, help be the soundtrack to their healing. That's what my goal is. And to and to be honest with people, you know, like that's the thing. Like why, if everybody else is going to be dishonest, I'll be honest with you as much as I can. Right. Um, so that was the turning point. It was really sitting here. And then also knowing that, man, we only get one opportunity at this this life thing, man. And I don't want to. I don't want it to fall. I I, I don't want to look back and be like, dang, 
man, I just sat at my desk all day trading stocks all day. Yeah, I made a lot of money, but you know what I'm saying? Like, what? You yeah. have all these gifts. Like, why wouldn't you use them? Totally. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. nah, I'm not, I don't want to do that. So, yeah, I think fear is, it's such an interwoven part of, honestly, even the, the Christian culture. Like, I think fear is used to, to, maintain certain kinds right. of conduct right I like say, yeah, the ahead. way that we behave the way that yeah. you're expected to behave and I, I think for me a lot of my life i actually my fear caused me to lean into the demands of the culture right where i go mm-hmm. I, i'm afraid that i'm going to mess up or i'm not going to do enough or i'm not going to mean enough or not going to perform well enough and so then it caused me to like double down and drive into it to to an unhealthy mm-hmm. level that ultimately was unsustainable and um mm-hmm. and then yeah it caused me to similarly in a similar time a few years ago just like i can't do this anymore um and ultimately end up yeah in my own journey of therapy and those kinds of things unpacking how i got here um mm-hmm. but yeah i think fear is so powerful and it can it can cause us to it's honestly kind of fight or flight. I think you, you, you can either go into that fight and you just double down and you put your head down and you go to work. Um, or you can totally freeze up and run away and disappear and isolate. And, and I I think a lot of times we ping pong between those two Yeah. and it's a Mm -hmm. horrible way to live because at the end of the day, when we do that, we isolate ourselves from everyone. We isolate ourselves from God. We isolate ourselves from one another. And I think, I think we're created to be in relationship with God and one another. And so yes. if we're living in fear, it, it, it's the exact opposite of the way that we're supposed to be living. And the irony is, is when we let those things go, that I think that's where freedom exists, which isn't that the whole point of being a Christian is to have freedom because God gives us freedom, provides us freedom. And so I, I think one of the big, like, I don't know, contradictions or paradoxes in the church right now is that we have all these people that are like, I don't, I'm done with the church. I don't want any of this because it's legalistic. It's oppressive. It's got me locked in this box. I'm living in fear. And in reality, I'm like, none of this is supposed to be that way. <laughs> like the whole point no, is the opposite. And we've, we've missed the boat. And I feel like that relational component we've got, you know, cause you can get on the ultra conservative theological side where, you know, uh, just to, just to use like average denominations, right? Like you're, you're, Baptist side that's pretty, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, very Bible and, and pretty rigid. And then you have your like really Pentecostal side that's, you know, much, much more um, overt and kind of how they worship and, and charismatic. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, you've mm-hmm. got these two sides and they, they kind of, but everyone has their little culture and they, they, you can kind of get locked into this thing. Right. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the idea is freedom, not necessarily conforming to, these ideas in fear, right? Like it's supposed to be relationship that causes change in our lives, which causes us to grow together as human beings and, and, and a relationship with God. And I realized for me, I had a transactional relationship with God for years and years and years and years. Like I was his employee. I I was a really good employee for him. I worked real hard for him, but like we weren't tight. You know, and, mm. and that was like a huge moment for me because I thought I had a good relationship with God. I'm like, look, I'm reading my Bible. I'm going to church. I'm doing all this ministry. Like my whole life is the church and God and spirituality. And, but then I'm like, but 
I didn't have this like closeness with God, like, like you should have. But then I realized in my life too, I didn't have that closeness with very many people because I was so busy doing and hmm. operating in fear of something going wrong and, you know, plan right. A, P and C so that it, what's our, right. what's our contingency plan and how do we keep this moving? And that drive for meaning too, if I want to do something that matters in my life, so I'm going to serve God, I'm going to do things for him. And it really quickly became a works-based and a fear-based operation for me, I think. And it's still mm-hmm. something that I'm trying to sort out and work through, but I think it's a huge problem uh, within just the culture around us. I, I see it and it, you know, I know you've experienced it as well. Um, yeah. And then that coupled with, you mentioned this earlier, but when you're seen as a Christian leader, then there's this additional pressure and expectation to be, I mean, honestly, like what I think is a robot, right? Like we need you to look yeah. like this, to act like this, and you need to show no sign of weakness because if you do, you need to be more than human. Yeah. And it's unsustainable. Yeah. That will, crush a human being and then we wonder why we have these spiritual leaders totally have huge moral failings and all these things because it's unsustainable like we have a we have a system that will continue to produce unsustainability in our leaders and they will continue to fall because honestly and i've said this to other people but what do lonely men typically treat their loneliness with Mm. You know, it's it's usually all, all types of things that aren't good. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. And so when we have infidelity with these pastors yeah. or these things that are happening, we're going, I can't believe it. What happened? I'm like, these are lonely guys who've been living in fear, who have been isolated, who've been the culture has demanded they become something that is inhuman, that should only be God fulfilling those things. Right. right? And so I think those right. are huge problems. And I, I love that you're talking about some of those things and in, in what you're doing, we're trying to do the same in what we're doing, but it's hard because yeah. a, you have to be vulnerable and vulnerability isn't easy. You got to kind of destroy maybe that front that you put out there. You know, I mean, everybody does it. Mainstream Christian, anybody, we want to put our best foot out there. We want the world to see every human. Yeah. does. So we want to see the, the world to see the best of us. That's normal. Mm-hmm. But to be, vulnerable i think for me what i've been learning is in that vulnerability is where those deeper relationships can often exist because if we're not honest we just kind of dance around (laughs) the whole thing the whole time so yeah yeah yeah. man appreciate what you're doing for sure and excited to hear this new music Do, do you have a release date on it yet i don't um i don't but um so before the album comes out I just announced it. Uh, I just announced it this week. What I'm doing is, if anybody can get me 50 people in a room, mm-hmm. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna come and play the album before it comes out. Nice. Yeah, cool. So I, I, I saw this. Like, yeah, I don't care if it's. Cool. Yeah, I'm like I don't care if it's at your house. I don't care if it's at your church, your school. I will pull up to your job. <laughs> I, if, if if it's 50 people at your job. And I'm in the city, and they and and they want to hear the album. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna pull up and play it. All I'm, you know, you can go to DerekMiner.com/slash/focusgroup. So what we're doing is we're doing focus groups. So I play the album. You listen to the album. You're gonna get a chance to rate each song on the album and uh, tell us what your favorite, what your least favorite is. And then, uh, yeah, we're gonna kick it. Have a have an excellent time. All I'm asking for is just tell me when you can do it and. And if you can give me a small donation to cover gas, cover the costs and things, yeah, yeah, cover yeah. the cost of what it takes to go on tour yeah. and play music before it comes out, I'm I'm pulling up. Yeah. So yeah. when yeah, do you so, start doing those? Uh, February. Nice. So 
Yeah, we already got like the list is already filling up crazy right awesome. now. So, I my I got my agent. He's like, "Bro, what are you doing?" <laughs> like, <laughs> nice. I literally called a guy on the list and just because he was from my hometown, I was like, "Yo, what's up?" This Derek Martin. He's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, man, I'm trying to pull up on you. What's what's happening? So he's like, oh, "I can do it. I'll, I'll get 50 people tomorrow." That's like, awesome. you know what I'm saying? So it's 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 really cool, man. Yeah, I, I, I've I've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed you know hopping back out and uh, and doing music. But yeah, what Derek a great way to slash focus group. DerekMiner.com slash focus group. Okay. What a great way to like reconnect with your fans too. Have you ever done anything like that before? Never. No, this is this is it's a brand new concept. Yeah, yeah. I, Such a I, fun idea. I just idea. felt like everybody's like, yo, let's post on Instagram until our fingers hurt. And I'm like, man, why don't we just let's hang go out. meet people? <laughs> yeah, like let's actually like do what we did before the pandemic, yeah. which is like let's like meet and hang and see each other living yeah. and breathing. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. I've been listening to some of these songs. You and I talked a couple of weeks ago, and you sent me the links to these new songs. I freaking love it. By the way, I think thank you. Uh, after a couple listens, my my two favorite standouts are Pressure. I don't know if I can mm-hmm. say these song titles out loud. Can I say them? Nah, go ahead. Too okay. late. My, my two, yeah. It's, 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 20, it's 2023, so. It's leaked somewhere. Uh, first week sales don't even matter. Like, that's not, they're not even a thing. Yeah. You know. Okay, so I love Pressure and uh, More On The Way. Oh, thank you. That yeah, song's yeah. dope. I love it. Yeah, the bops, bro. You like the bops. I do. I do. I, I'm into, like, the, the boom bap, the real dynamic, hard-hitting beats. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely, definitely what man. I love, man. Man, well, thank you, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to hang out with us and and share your story and just talk about where you've been and where you're going. And um, I just I feel yeah. like it just fits so much. I think we've got so many similarities in kind of the music journey and and some of those pressures of the Christian culture and kind of where we're at. And I know just yeah. the things we've been seeing you post on Instagram. And I definitely we we love you, man. We're so glad that you're out there saying what you're saying and and i think that you know hopefully between us uh we can we can keep reaching people and helping people and like you said just uh, i think the big term for us has been that healing journey like how can we help people heal how can we help jumpstart their own healing journey um because it's been life-changing for us and it's it's hard it's long and i know you're still probably going through it i'm still very much in process um, I'm still, gosh, I'm still in therapy every week, <laughs> still unpacking stuff. I'm like, Oh man, we got to do this again. Oh, oh boy. You know, we just yeah. last week we unpacked some new stuff. I was like, Oh great. Here's another six months worth. To, <laughs> this is going to take a while to get through. <laughs> yeah. but, but it's good. It's, it's like going to the gym. It's like, it's, it's, it's right. you hurt afterwards, yeah. but it's a good hurt. Yeah. That's yeah. right. I, I always call it spiritual pushups. Like you get yeah. down, you do a set of pushups and, you know, you do that every day, you kind of start to feel less sore as you do it. And, and mm-hmm. also all of a sudden you, you stand up and you realize like, oh, I'm stronger, you know, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a good mm-hmm. feeling to remind yourself. Yeah. Um, so one other thing before we go though, and I just yeah. got to bring this up because I, James discovered this and I, I just have to have to give a shout out to it. So I, okay. I, I heard that your wife does a bakery that's like, 
unbelievable. Out of this world. Out of this world. Like phenomenal. Incredible. It's phenomenal. You got to tell us a little bit about it's, the bakery and like your favorite thing from the bakery. It's it's why I can't lose anyway. <laughs> it's, 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 it's literally the it's the like she's literally up there right now making etouffee. <laughs> oh, like that's yeah. She's making it right now as we speak. When I get off of this, Ooh. I'm going to go eat some etouffee. Yes. You know oh man, saying? I wish so I was there, like, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but no. So um, my wife has always been into cooking, um, and you know she's a pharmacist. And she just decided one day, she's like, I want to pursue my passions, you know. Um, I was like, okay, babe, well, you know, hey, I'm not rapping anymore. Let's 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 do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, man, she started uh, two years ago. Okay. Um, and it's been an awesome ride. She's getting followed by so many people in Nashville. So she just does catering right now but she does all kind of crazy like goodies like peach cobbler cones and yeah those she look does delicious. this like a uh, hot chicken sticky stack which is like a piece of hot chicken uh but it's like a sweet heat on top of cornbread mm. and Ooh. with like a, a a sweet pickle on top it's crazy like, yeah it's insane where can Cheesecake our listeners brownies. follow along and see all these awesome creations yeah hello marshmallow.co so at so it's hellomarshmallow.co. That's the website. So co.com. Okay. Yeah. Or at hellomarshmallow.co. And awesome. when I tell you, if you're on your 2023 journey to lose weight. <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> don't go. But actually, but she does, um, we only use organic ingredients. Nice. So she's very big on making sure if it's going to taste good, that the food is actually good. So, and um, a lot of her dishes, she tries to, make sure that she's doing things that that aren't good for just cost but they're also good for our body so nice. she has awesome. a lot of vegan dishes honestly i think her vegan cupcakes are better than the, the regular cupcakes awesome that's my personal opinion so, so. no miracle whip in the- <laughs> no, no, we, no no as we established no, no miracle whip we, we, it has to be actually uh something from an animal yeah in real life so. Unless well, it's not vegan. In the vegan ones, <laughs> yeah, though. The vegan one, there's yeah, no animals. Now if it's a, well, if it's a vegan one, and then it has to be from a plant. Yeah. It's not going to be like we don't like to do the um, like a lot of the the, the chemical stuff because sometimes people are like, "This is vegan," yeah. yeah, and it's like made in a lab somewhere, and it's worse for you, <laughs> yeah, right. And actually eating just the the meat alternative. So right, we try to like she'll do like she'll use like applesauce as a sweetener. Nice, you know what I'm saying? Or yeah, uh, something like that. So that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. Great. So good. Well, thank you for being on our podcast. You're awesome. We would love to play more shows with you again in the future now that you're rapping and we're rocking again. Yeah. Let's as long as you can deal with Let's our white people crowd that can't groove and clap on beat. But hey, we're going to have fun. Hey, just know if if, if, if there's a Derek Minor Cutler show, we're going to have fun. Yeah. But just know I'm going to make fun of y'all too. <laughs> but it's Perfect. all in fun because yeah. I love y'all. But James and I, James and I can clap on beat. We at least can clap on beat. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I, I mean, I would hope yeah. so. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to hold it down. We got to hold it down for our crew. I, I would hope so. You know, you guys kind of are like a legendary rock band so you know surely being able to clap on yeah. beat is, is yeah. pretty well oh, if we didn't if we don't clap on beat we can at least program it in ableton now <laughs> 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 
Well, you almost made me spit my water out. Spit take. I was going for it. I was like, oh, he's drinking. I got yeah. him. I got yeah. him. We just need to, yeah, we just need like the crowd version of Ableton. Put everybody. <laughs> We're going right, to quantize exactly. you right now. Yeah. You're all on beat. We're going to quantize you right now. <laughs> Snap to grid. Yeah, there we go. Snap to grid. That's so good. Yep. Love it. You got to write a song uh, called Command Snap you. to Grid. Awesome. Yes. Well, absolutely. If, if people want to follow you, uh, it's... On Instagram, it's at, De- at Derek Miner, right? The um, real Derek Miner. The, the Derek real Derek Miner. Oh, the Derek Miner. No, at the Derek Miner. <laughs> we totally Boy, butchered you that. Hey, you going to send him to like a real estate agent <laughs> in North Carolina. They'll be like, wait a second. I thought this dude was a rapper. He's like selling houses or something. Okay, <laughs> since we totally butchered that, give it one more time. Give us give us your handle so we can get it right. It's at the Derek Miner. There we go. Awesome. On Instagram, yeah. and you're on TikTok, and are you on Facebook? Yeah. Any of those two as well? Same deal. Yeah, hey, I'm a fool on TikTok, so look, just letting you know, if you come <laughs> on there, like TikTok is where TikTok is where I act a fool. Instagram is the Instagram is the polished church version. TikTok is the ratchet <laughs> Pontiac Michigan version. So just, I'm just giving yeah. y'all fair warning. So you're just you're shipping all it to China, anyways, though, for them, right? <laughs> exactly. That's what we do. <laughs> oh man oh that's great well dude thanks thanks so much for chatting with us and hanging out yeah. looking forward to new music and yeah i would man it'd be awesome to do a show again together one of these days it'd be super yeah. fun i know we had a great time last time so uh yeah. so who knows yeah hopefully in the near future but keep doing what you're doing appreciate it and um yeah we'll hopefully see you in in the not too distant future next time we're in nashville too we're out there every, you know every so often so we'll have to hang again it'd be fun Pull up, bro. I have wifey make some uh, oh, make some good treats. That'd be Ooh. that'd be amazing, incredible, awesome. Sure. Well, hey man, it was so great talking to you. Be well, okay. We love you, buddy. I am um, much love. Yeah. For... Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening here once again on Rockin' a Hard Place. That was Derek Miner, a good friend of ours and artist. Uh, got some new music coming out for you. Make sure you don't miss it. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time on Rockin' a Hard Place. Yeah, yeah. Goodbye. Love you.